Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. Uh, so today, as Josh mentioned, we're continu- continuing this three-part exploration of joy. And to start out, I have a couple of stories that I wanted to share with you that had slightly different outcomes. The first one is when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, uh, so I, I, I played a couple sports or did a couple sports in high school, but I was never good at sports. And I only ever did sports in high school. Uh, I was a science and math kind of person, so I was a nerd. You know, I um I didn't wear glasses, but I definitely fit the nerd vibes. And I played a lot of video games too. So just you know, I just embodied all the nerdness. Um, <laughs> but I participated in a few sports, like I said. And the first one that I did, that I tried out, that I failed at, was wrestling. I wrestled for two years, um, and I got my ass handed to me every single time. <laughs> Um, I only ever won one match out of probably 20 matches, so I was 1 in 20, so or 1 in 19, I guess, <laughs> um, and I got lucky. Um, I pinned the person, and so I pinned them in the first period, and it felt pretty cool, but I also ran cross-country and track, and I was average at both of those as well. I broke the 19-minute mark in cross-country only a couple times, and I ran a 508 in the mile, which for some of you, you're like, wow, that's fast. In high school, that was average, slightly below average, because there were people that ran like 430s. So I was average in high school. So my senior year, my last race ever, uh, so being average, I only ever got like thir- between 30th and 60th place in cross-country races because there's a lot of people um, on a cross-country course. And so I was kind of middle of the packish, a little bit close to the back. So my senior year of cross-country, my last race ever, actually, this is the last competitive event I ever did. I came out on top. I've never done a competitive event since. I asked the coach if I could run the C-team race instead of the JV race. Um, And this race didn't really matter because uh, it was the last race of the year. The varsity team had already been decided for state, so they weren't even here. They moved up the JV team to the varsity race, uh, to the varsity competition of this race. So this race was just a way for the coach to get one more race under our belts before the year ended. And so I knew that. I knew it didn't matter. I knew there was nothing riding on this. So I went up to the coach and I was like, hey, I've never won a race before. I was just assuming, you know, that I would win this race. (laughs) And so I was like, can I run this race? Can I be the only senior running against freshmen? (laughs) Can I run the C-team race? And knowing that it wasn't that important, uh, he let me. So it was fun. I was way ahead. I destroyed everybody, except for there was this one moment where there was doubt because there was this freshman from our team that was like creeping up behind me, but he made me go a little bit faster and actually push myself a little bit at the end. But I was way ahead the whole time, and I ended up winning the race, the only race I ever won, my only first place trophy. And I got to the end of the race, and it was sort of disappointing 
it wasn't as satisfying as I thought it'd be. So we'll put a pin in that. Um, I don't know why it wasn't satisfying. Maybe it was some combination of the fact that it didn't matter, I didn't have to try that hard, um, or maybe it w was because I wasn't sharing the moment with the teammates that I run with the entire time, all year. It fell flat. So have you ever had an experience like that where you really hope for some outcome that you've been trying really hard for or you are waiting for something to happen that you've really been wanting to happen and then it does and you're like, huh, that wasn't as cool as I thought it'd be. It was a little disappointing. So contrast that with 2020 uh, since it's Super Bowl, I have to talk a little bit about the previous Super Bowl that we've won. I experienced something completely different. We were watching this with friends, and I remember after we won, I went outside in our front yard and just ran around in circles and yelled at the top of my lungs, and then I fell into the grass. It was like totally a movie moment, and I was just laying there looking up at the stars going, we won, we did it. <laughs> I was so pumped. I was so excited. It was this moment of complete and utter bliss. And then me and my friend Katia, uh, we got into her car, and we drove back and forth in our neighborhood and just yelled at the top of our lungs and blared music because we were just so excited. It was this amazing moment. And what made it so sweet was a variety of things. It was years of watching mediocre Chiefs teams. It was the disappointment of the AFC championship when who, who, he who shall not be named moved off sides <laughs> and cost us a chance to go to the first Super Bowl. It was the frustration, if you are a Chiefs fan and have been for a long time, you know this feeling. It was the frustration of seeing the Broncos go to the Super Bowl twice in a time that I was watching the Super Bowl and watching them win one, and especially when you have friends that are Broncos fans that just rub it in your face. I have two of them, so I double up on that pain. Um, it was having to watch Brady win again and again. So when we finally won, it was like all these bottled up emotions just exploded and I was like, yes, it happened. We won. But the difference between those two moments is that in one of them, I had actually achieved something. Like I did something. I ran the race, and I won the race. In the other one, I didn't do shit. <laughs> like, I just watched the game and ate food and cheered. That's all I did. So, <laughs> but that second one, it brings me joy to this day. It continues to bring me joy. It's this memory that I treasure, and I think the difference was who I was with. I got to share that moment with people that I love. Think about some of the most joyful moments in your life. What was happening? Who was there? There's something special about those moments of joy and celebration when you get to share them with the people that you care about the most. It almost grows the joy that you experience, and we know this. We do this when things happen in your life, when you get a new job, or maybe you find out that you're going to have a kid, or you get some other piece of good news. 
or you get engaged. I feel like this definitely happens when people get engaged. You call and text every single person you can think about that you want to tell, right? Because as you tell people, you get to relive the moment over and over, and it kind of brings more joy to that moment. It grows the joy. It's nice to celebrate with people that you care about. And there's a story in the Bible where... uh, there's something similar happening. It's this moment where Mary finds out that she's pregnant and she decides to visit her relative Elizabeth and doesn't ex- exactly say how they were related. It just says they were relatives. Uh, at this point, Elizabeth is six months pregnant and Mary is very early in her pregnancy. And it says that Mary got up and hurried. She just like hurried to see her relative Elizabeth, who knows why, maybe she really, really wanted to celebrate the moment with her. So Mary gets there, and the moment she does, Elizabeth greets her with, God has blessed you above all women and has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? And as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. I don't know much about first century greetings, but that one seems kind of long. <laughs> like, that's a special kind of greeting right there. It wasn't just a shalom. It was, you know, a lot more than a shalom. But notice that Elizabeth is so excited. She has so much joy that not only does she get excited, apparently the baby in her womb jumps for joy. It's all this overwhelming excitement. And then after that, Mary just comes up with a song. You ever just sing because you have so much joy there? You're just like, I'm just going to sing a random song. I'm not going to do it now because I cannot sing. Ben will do that here in a moment. So he's got one more song for us. This celebration, this sharing these good moments with others can grow our joy. But many times the thing that keeps us from experiencing those moments of celebration and joy fully is fear. Brene Brown calls this foreboding joy. It's the act of not allowing ourselves to fully experience joy because we know it won't last, because we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, She talks about, you know, a parent looking at their child full of love and joy of having this child and then in a split second thinking about the most horrifying thing happening to the child. I see a head nod here. This is something that parents can relate to, I think. It's the thing that we do when something good happens in our life, a new job, a new friendship, moving to a new place, and instead of being fully present to it and embracing all the excitement of it, we feel that sense of dread and we think, what if everything goes wrong? What if this doesn't work? What if it all falls apart? Maybe we're afraid it's going to be taken away. Or I know for me sometimes it's, I don't, ex- I don't deserve to experience the joy in this moment. Or it's not good enough. Like the joy that I wanted could be better than this. Krista was telling me uh, this, this, she read in some book about a guy who had wanted to be on the New York bestsellers list for a long time. And the moment he got on there because it wasn't first place, he was even more disappointed and depressed than he was when he wasn't on there. Sometimes we picture what can go wrong so that when it happens, it hurts less. Anybody relate to that one? But it doesn't actually hurt less. 
and we actually end up squashing the most important thing that's right in front of us, the joy before us. Brene Brown says, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we experience, and if you cannot tolerate joy, what you do is you start dress rehearsing tragedy. You start dress rehearsing tragedy. Joy is terrifying because to experience it, we have to be vulnerable. We have to embrace the risk that these moments may not last. So how do we counteract this? In the story of Mary and Elizabeth, both women could have easily withheld that joy. They could have had a much more measured response because the chances of a baby especially very early in the pregnancy, making it in the first century were low. So they could have been like, hey, like that's really cool, but let's just wait you know, a few months because then maybe we'll be a little bit more sure. And an Elizabeth knew this well. She hadn't been able to have a child almost her entire life. It brought her so much shame. She struggled with it. She knew about the risk. She knew about the loss, but maybe that's why she fully embraced the joy because she knew the risks she understood what could be and in the face of what could be she decided you know what i'm going to embrace the joy anyways i'm going to lean in because that's all you really can do is embrace it i think that our ability to fully experience joy is something we cultivate, something that builds over time. And we talked about our practice last week of pausing, reflecting, and asking ourselves those questions. Is this really what's happening? Having a wider perspective. But I also think there's something to this shared experience of joy, sharing joy with others. Because when we share moments of joy, we also can share our moments of vulnerability and fear. And in turn, that vulnerability and fear lessons because we know that even if the worst comes to worst at least this person that we're sharing with they'll understand us when that happens maybe we won't be alone in it and there's also this other thing it's gratitude joy and gratitude are intrinsically connected and in her book the gifts of imperfection Brene you know a lot of Brene Brown quotes she's awesome so um, this is a lot of her content <laughs> uh, the re- she's, she wrote this the research has taught me that happiness and joy are different experiences happiness is tied to circumstance and joyfulness is tied to spirit and gratitude I've also learned that neither joy nor happiness is constant no one feels happy all the time or joyful all the time Both experiences come and go. We need both happiness and joy. And to experience that joy, we need to cultivate the spiritual practices that lead to joyfulness, especially gratitude. Here's why I think gratitude matches with all of this, because it's a practice that we include others in our life when we practice it. Right? Like when you practice gratitude, what are the things you're usually grateful for? It's the people that you love and care about. When joy feels far off, gratitude 
can sometimes create that sense of joy in the moment. And that doesn't mean we ignore pain and sorrow. We're going to talk more about that next week. That's how we're going to close this all off. How do you have joy when like suffering is a real thing and when bad things are a real thing? I think joy has room for both of those. But even in the face of that, we can live from a place of gratitude and joy. We can experience joy more often. We deserve to experience joy. Because joy is what we want. Joy is what gives life more color. And joy notices the little things and embraces the goodness in them. Like, take for example, we can go to a grocery store and buy fruit. That's awesome. Like, we can just buy fruit (laughs) at the grocery store For centuries, humans have either gotten lucky and found a plant that already had fruit on it, or they had to grow it themselves and hope that they got a harvest out of it and that it didn't die in the meantime. And maybe that's where foreboding joy comes in. Maybe it's an evolutionary response because people needed something because sometimes the thing you're hoping for doesn't come. And so you needed some safeguard to say, hey, this might not work out. So don't get too excited. But we, in the modern day, can go to a grocery store and buy a piece of fruit. (laughs) And that obviously comes rot with some problems. There are people that can't do that. Uh, how the food gets there and our whole, like, system, you know, there's problems with that and, you know, climate change and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean there isn't joy in the fact that we can go to a grocery store and buy a piece of fruit. It's freaking awesome. We go in. We pick it up. We take it home. We wash it. And we eat it. This type of joy matters seeing the goodness and the little things. And it's not naive optimism. It's grounded in the fact that, yes, things are bad, but there's also so much magic and wonderful and good things in the world that we can't even explain or that we can be in awe of all the time. It's all around us. Like, even coffee. Like, how we get to a cup of coffee is amazing. (laughs) I'm grateful for it. It wakes me up when you're tired. (laughs) Coffee's great. Practicing gratitude for the little things and sharing that gratitude with others allows us to experience greater joy in the big things and in the small things and to bypass this fear of fully embracing the joy because why not embrace it? The risk is always going to be there. So why not embrace the joy? We can try to remove risk from the equation and then you run a cross-country race and you destroy everybody and you finish with it and you're like, huh, maybe that risk, that possibility of failure is what makes joy so much bigger. So we can't remove the risk, but we mitigate it by sharing the joy with the people that we care about the most and sharing the fear as well because then they can be joyful with us when it goes well, and they can cry with us when we're sad and dealing with the fallout of it. When you bring more people into that experience of joy, you can be a lot less alone in it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone.